Okay. It's been a while since I've done one of these. Hello and welcome back to the In Around Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is Sports Media's number one, number one, N-Dubs number one, Joel Linton correspondent, Mr. Mike Breslin. The Newcastle number nine, come on. Yeah, um, and to his immediate left, on the computer screen at least, is Dave, no bud visors, no sun visors, Harris. Oh, <laughs> See, it's such an unmemorable caption <laughs> that I couldn't even remember it for the nickname. Anyway, Dave, well, how are you? When- yeah, good thanks. Just to follow up on that. When you've when you've accidentally been putting puns and stuff for your entire Instagram existence, you can't stop now. Accidentally. You just can't stop. Dave, the people want to see the Instagram post in question, where can they find you? Um at Hugo Rodiega. <laughs> wow, okay. All right. Thoroughly off the rails. Um lads, uh restrictions of ease. Um all three of us were back playing football. You've played football tonight, Brez. How's it? How does it feel being back playing football? That's what I want to know. Oh, living the dream, mate. Me and Joel Linton out here getting goals. It's it's all happening. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, because I guess I guess my question was, um, after experiencing your own play again, did you find a greater appreciation for Steve Bruce's Newcastle at the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I I felt that I could probably get into that team to be honest they played well we'll come on to that in a bit but they played pretty well um, no, yeah, I'll give them that they had some fight and that was nice to see yeah to we are fair. actually going to talk about Newcastle so we'll we'll slip in the Joel Linton report later on in the show if that's okay with you Mr President um, absolutely although I am brimming I, 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 oh, I can tell but let's please not use the word brimming again um, okay so we've got three questions, all from actually your usual uh, call out for questions from before the uh, podcast, Mike. So um, do you remember who sent them in? Yeah, it was the, uh, the From the Stands podcast actually sent all three of them in. So legend, legends, big ups to them. Because uh, otherwise we were struggling for something to talk about. So here we go. Got... Yeah, because I, I tell you what, match week 30, match week 31 of the Premier League in this season of all seasons has been a... Was pretty was pretty boring. Um, that being said, City with a an absolutely crucial win versus um, Leicester as they seem they march on to another <laughs> another title under Pep. Um, lads, the game itself. Um, uh, the first question I've got is how impressive is it that City were able to so utterly dominate a team of Leicester's quality? Very impressive. Yeah, very impressive. I think, not that we needed a, a message about how good City are, but they can come here, rest stones, I guess. Mm. Gundogan's not starting, Sterling's not starting, Foden either. Go to Leicester and, well, as, as you rightly say, totally dominate. Never really looked like they were going to lose the game. More of the ball, more of the shots. Yeah, I mean, City are a little bit good, aren't they? Against what we think is one of the best, or one of the better chasing pack, as it were, in Leicester. It's particularly impressive, Dave, isn't it? Because when you consider the the reverse fixture earlier this year, which was, I think it was 4-2, I want to say, wasn't it? Good point. Yeah, yeah, Leicester smashed them in the first game. Um, Yeah, like Mike says, we already knew these guys were good, but... To basically not let Leicester have a sniff uh, when Leicester have looked one of the best of the rest really shows you like how much better they are than everyone else in the league. It's pretty crazy, to be honest. I haven't done this for a while, but do you know? Have you seen the XG for this game? No, I actually haven't, Mike. No. <laughs> okay, that's good. If you want to know how little a sniff Leicester had, it was 0.4 for Leicester against 2.3 Man City. Mm, that's comprehensive, but that won't be the last time XG is mentioned in this podcast. No, it um, won't be. <laughs> just, the, do, you, do you want to hear a stat from me? Go on, well. Between minutes 21 to 25, City had 100% of possession. Which, <laughs> wow. Which is a wild stat. That is a wild stat. But Because um, we're going to talk about City's um, sort of hopes for the rest of the season in a minute, but... Leicester are a bit of a bogey team for Pep City in particular because they're 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 absolutely ruthless in the transition. Um, they've got a number of 
exceptionally quick players such as mm-hmm. Vardy and Harvey Barnes. Had to get him in there. The Harvey Barnes hive continues. He's a great player. Um, he is to the Euros. Let's get him fitting at the Euros. Um, <laughs> but Brez, did you feel more bullish against perhaps? Because it's all well and good slapping some of the lower teams in the league, like um, you know, Fulham, West Brom, Arsenal, um, around repeatedly, like City have been doing. But to to cope with a team with as dangerous transition opportunities as Leicester have, particularly when it's a, a weakness, does that bode well for their perhaps a later run into the Champions League? Uh, yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth there. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. I, yeah, uh, a result like this against Rodgers and Leicester, obviously with Vardy, Iheanacho, etc., uh, up top, it's uh, it bodes very, very well for them. They've got... Uh, who have they got in the next round of the Champions League? Dortmund. Yes, Dortmund. Yeah, so they're going to they're gonna play Haaland um, over two Even legs. It's not a bad audition, is it? You get the the budget English version, um, <laughs> and then and then you go and play Haaland in midweek. So definitely a good test. I did think it was interesting that Stones didn't play. Uh, obviously, Pep knows better than I do, and it worked out. But <laughs> uh, one gun for my fantasy team, so we'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave it there. there. <laughs> <laughs> Pep knows better than me. Um, no, but you do raise a good point about John Stones. Is that if if we if we do look at this game through the prism of earlier in the season again, we were thinking that City and that with Diaz and Laporte were going to be the the pairing that um, they, their success really hinged on. And John Stones has had such a good season that I, personally, if I if someone came in and said, "I think he's going to be in the PFA Team of the Year," I wouldn't blink twice at it. Don't know about you, Dave. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think he definitely has to get into the Euros. Um, I don't. Why are you laughing at me, Will? Jesus, fell under the car. He asked you about talking... the team of the year. Team of the year. I don't know why. <laughs> I've, I was thinking the Euros. We've talked about it before. Oh, no, I feel stop. stupid. Can we can we edit but this he, out? He will, he no, will can we edit it out, please? Can we edit it out? That's embarrassing. Well, right. fine. I do think John Stones would be in team of the team of the year. He's been exceptional this season. Same as Ruben Diaz. I, I'm guessing the two yeah, centre backs. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm guessing the both their centre backs would yeah. be in there. Hmm? Yeah, but you know, it's quite a turnaround in terms of his career, which looked all but done at City to now perhaps realising the potential that um, we all thought he could one day have I am beyond shocked that he turned out to be this good <laughs> I think as as always beyond shocked that their defence is good at all when you look at the personnel <laughs> when you sit there and you're like Cancelo he's a bad defender Zinchenko's a bad defender and then you're sort of like John Stones interesting um, but I guess the most the talk amongst all the City fans when they're not um, crying about Guerrero or um, getting really excited about Haaland is the the talk of the quadruple. I think they're kind of everyone's sort of talking about it at times, but also dancing around it. The fact that could this be the year they finally win the big one and to go with their domestic all. But let's let's go through them. Carabao Cup final lads against Spurs. Jose Mourinho Spurs. Only one winner there, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. not Jose Mourinho Spurs. Yeah. So we'll count that one for them. The league is all but sewn up, isn't it? Yeah. Who's well, even, done. who's even the closest team? It's United. It's, I think it's United. United that. Maybe yeah, we're not going to catch them. Done. So it's done. It's over. It's a matter of time. The FA Cup semi-final versus Chelsea. You'd have to make them favourites. Yeah. They're definitely favourites, but it's a tougher game than yeah Spurs, for example, in the Carabao. It it's a tougher yeah. it's a it's a tougher game. For, it's a tougher game from a few um, than you would have said a few months ago. Yeah, I, just, I, I think I think you're looking at two shells never beaten Pep, for example. He, yeah, I'll, I'd be interested to see how he yeah. tries to stop Pep and his team. That'll be one. That will be a one to watch. You're almost I'll, looking uh, at you're looking at a team at the start of its cycle versus a team that's fully entrenched in the second set of their cycle. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think you have to say that you can see City get into the the FA Cup final where they'll play 
what United or Leicester? No, no we're, no, we're, no, we're Leicester or Southampton. Yeah. Well, you, given the way they comprehensively handled Leicester at the weekend, you'd probably fancy them there again. So that's the three domestic ones practically sewn up, or at least they're <laughs> for. Okay. Yeah, handed out. Now the Champions League, as we know. It's been a bit of a worry over the last couple of years for, for Pep. Dave, how do you how do you rate their chances in this competition? I think they're certainly a good team. Um, again, I'm not. An, I wouldn't say they're favourites. I don't ever get putting Man City as favourites in a competition they've not won. Um, I still think Bayern are are the superior team out there. Um, I definitely definitely think they're one of the top teams i just think not having a top striker is what's gonna possibly set them back it's a good point because the lack of ruthlessness cost them certainly against leon yeah. um, mike when dave said that Bayern were the better with the best team in it you sort of shaking your head is that you were shaking your head at the idea that Bayern being the best team in it or you're shaking your head that the idea that they would beat city i think city are the best team in it personally i i why i, I believe that I know, I know I don't watch that much German football, that's fair to say, but I don't think Bayern have been as convincing in the league this year and you can get at their defence a bit more than you could last year. Well, even in their run to the final last year, um, they were, for all their brilliant play, they were, their, their high line you could see that you could get at. And I'm going to be honest with you, I thought PSG were the better team in the final. I know no one will want to hear that, but I thought they were the better team. And if... Mbappe could sort out his feet, they probably would have won it. Um, but, like Dave says, Mike, are you worried about them having to rely on Jesus? Versus... Is, Aguero, is Aguero injured? Is it... mm, I, I don't mean, know if they'd play him. Is he not available? A gust of wind blows on Aguero and he's injured now. Okay, he, he started at the weekend. I think you don't want to rely on Jesus, obviously. But... And I'll be worried next year if, like Pep says, they're not going to buy one. But I'm sure that's that is not the case. But I think if you've got Aguero starting and Jesus coming off the bench, that's given the rest of the team. I think that's good enough. Mm. I the the thing that worries me about City in the Champions League is that Pep always comes up with some weird way to put himself out of the competition. <laughs> He'll play like three right backs for no reason or some stupid thing like that. Look up at John Stones as a defensive mid. You're like, yeah. what? Why? Mate, the way he's playing Bernardino. this season, he could probably do a job in there. Probably could. Yeah, Nathan Ake coming in to bloody play left back or something. Good player, Betton Zinchenko. Um, but, <laughs> Dave, so if you don't think City are favourites, can you look past Bayern? Because they've not gotten. If you consider that Lewandowski is going to be out for a month, they've got not got the easiest yeah. challenge as PSG. True. Um, yeah, Christ, totally forgot Lewandowski's actually out for a month. PSG are, are strong. I'm, I'm uh, worried they might win it this year. And I really don't I want that I just don't happen. like PSG, no. no um, I'm asking you if you like them, though. What about the quality? No, the thing oh. is with PSG is I think that their players going forward are just so good. Uh, I think defensively, the yeah, Kimpembe and Marquinhos are, are brilliant at the back. Um, I think they are obviously up there. However, saying that, I think Bayern's team is really like up there. To be honest, in Europe, I am intrigued what they do without Lewandowski if they try and put Muller up up top. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure what they'll try and do or yeah. A, li- a Liverpool Be interesting. It's certainly interesting when you consider that they've got to play Madrid and then they're, they're looking at Chelsea or Porto. They probably would fancy... Put it this way, any everyone on the right side of the draw is happy, they're on, that, is happy yeah. they're on that side of the draw, I think. I think if you're... If you're, if you're Bayern, and you're thinking to yourself, obviously we've struggled against to defend against pace. Or yeah, you're not exactly licking your lips at the prospect of Mbappe or Neymar. But you said you you said you thought PSG probably favourites, not favourites, but you thought they might win it. Why? I think they've got a good chance. They've looked a lot better this year, in my opinion. 
I, I don't know. If, I don't think they've been that good in the league. I think they're actually nope not uh, winning the league. Yeah, no. but I've been a bit more impressed with them in Europe, to be honest. Mm. Um, obviously they United were in their group, so I saw a bit of them uh, in that. They've got a bit more experience based on last year as well. I I never felt like they were going to get that far with that team before, and then they got to the. The final, yes, it was a bit of a weird tournament. Uh, we, we know all of that. And as you rightly, kind of rightly said, Will, I think they were actually probably were the better team in the final. Mm. And if you can do that to Bayern in a one-off, I don't see any reason why they can't beat a, a Lewandowski-less Bayern over two legs and then cause, if City get through against Dortmund, they'd cause City real problems, I think. Because mm. I, I guess the... The Barcelona leg, and now I know Barcelona leg. The two games against Barcelona, I know they're a fading force, but the way they the way they they broke with pace, they defended well and <clears> broke <throat> with pace. That's directly, I think, could as we've talked about the transition, that could be a real problem for both Bayern and City. Yeah, the, those two games they were really impressive, and then obviously Poch has come in. Yeah, I think they've got a decent chance, given their fifth favourites as well. That's pretty tough. Their fifth favourites. Yeah, behind both the all three of the English teams are ahead of them, oh and then Bayern as well. Oh my god! Oh my god! They obviously they missed the J five masterclass at the weekend. Um, Chelsea are third favourites, by the Jesus way. Jesus fucking Christ! We're not I'm guessing Porto, that's based on so what side of the draw you're on. We're not beating Porto. You can take that to the bank. Um, <laughs> just, so we sort of got we sort of got sidetracked there, but it is a really interesting Champions League draw this year there seems to be even Porto are a good from what we've seen the way they handled Juventus are a good side and they're interesting and dif- different to what we've seen from the other ones but pivoting back to City um, we've mentioned his name already Aguero's leaving um, as you hinted Mike Pep said that they might not have the money for a striker Where you? how do you make their chances of keeping up this level of consistency without a striker because it seems to, as we've said, the pandemic has almost worked in their favour this year. But next year, where it might be slightly more normal, do you reckon not having a, a really clinical striker could hurt them? Uh, yeah, I do think it, it definitely could cost them if they don't win uh, the Champions League this year with Aguero and Jesus available. You lose Aguero, um, obviously, you're just down to Jesus, and we've spoke about him before in that. We don't necessarily, you, you don't expect him to score 20 plus a season. You need that guy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just go and buy Haaland or Kane or whoever it is you want to go and get. Just go and get them because the Champions League is the goal if they don't get it this year. Which I, I don't think they can play without a striker yeah. the whole year. And this is, they say a lot in American sports, this is their window. They need yeah. to. They need to win now with this team, so don't back out of it now. I don't. By the way, I don't believe him when he says they they're not no, going to go buy a striker. I don't. Believe that it. is waffle. But I mean, if you think about it, the last well, who was the last team to to win the Champions League without a really dominant striker? I mean, was it was it Chelsea with Drogba because he was at sort of at the end end of his peak, but he was still dominant in that competition. So. You can just probably was, yeah. You can just see Unless, how important it is. What about what about Liverpool when they won it? That's a good point, actually. Um, hadn't thought about that, but what I would argue is that, that with uh, with Salah, you've got a, a forty goal a season person. Yeah, I think you'd rightly argue that they had Salah and Mane. So because as good as I think Sterling is, and as good as much as the system that they play accentuates his qualities, I don't think he's a. It sounds daft because I know he scored forty goals in a season, but you know what I mean. He's more capable of doing a Leon where he misses from two yards. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Dave, we've talked a lot about um, uh, strikers for City. Mm-hmm. Um, the the three I've seen floated this week are Lukaku, who's obviously having a barnstorming season, about to lead yeah. the title. Harry Kane, who we all know his qualities, and Haaland. If you could, if you were, if you were the decision maker at City, and God help them if you were, but if you were. <laughs> Who would and money was no option as we let's be honest, it is. Who which of those three would you buy and who do you think directly 
fits in with the system and gets you a Champions League? Well, it's. Uh, I mean, for the long term, for long term, you'd obviously go Haaland. But in terms of, a, I think a striker for right here, right now, it's got to be Harry Kane. Mm. You already know how good he is. He even plays well, like scores goals for Tottenham in the Champions League, and they're terrible in it. Scores so many goals this season. He's, you know, creating loads of goals too. You already know he's a great finisher. <laughs> you don't even need him to do what he does at Spurs because this Man City team creates so many chances that they just need a finisher. He, people are going to create for him. Like, God, imagine how many goals he would score in this team. Uh, maybe. 35 40 if he's fit for the whole season um Lukaku um I think he's a very good player I just think personally after the man obviously this is money is no object after being at Man United and also the fact that there's questions over his sort of intricate play and and link up that I'd have to say he's probably third of the three um but I mean, Haaland and Kane just, yeah. I mean, all three of them are good options, but I'd be going for Haaland just because of his age and how good he already is. If you don't get him now uh, and a few years down the line, he's probably going to be at one of your biggest Champions League rivals being one of the best players in the world. So if you can get him now, get him by any ch- get him by any means, basically interesting I, I mean I just think I think every time I watch Haaland I think I, I'm, I'm left myself thinking what an absolute freak the way the way how quick he is at that size but I always I always think to myself you've you've still got quite a raw player there because he, he's he's not all there and compared to the other two who I would say more complete strikers I mean personally I always thought it was waffle about Lukaku's touch I, I know, I know, it, I know it can be, I know it can be a bit loose, but not that bad. I, I, I always it's thought, more... I always thought he's a bit overplayed. And in terms no, of Haaland, my my thing with Haaland is, if you can get him now for say, I don't know, sixty million, like it's been floated in the press. Right, it's hundred and fifty if you want him this summer. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. Okay. But the thing is, whatever he's worth this summer, in a few years he could be worth double. So. Yeah, and he will be moving on because Raiola is his agent. Um, Mike, I assume you're saying Haaland? Yeah, just by Haaland. Oh, cool, cool. Before we move on from City and their strikers, um, obviously Sergio Aguero is leaving. Uh, one of the players we put in our um, what is it, our 15 greatest Premier League players, I believe. Yeah. He, was he the only City one we had in? I think so. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was the only City one. I think yeah, we mentioned company, so. but we didn't put him in there. Probably when we redo that, that in a few years' time, we'll see another one, another Belgian, perhaps. Not because yes. he was actually crap. Um, but I just <laughs> wanted to sort of say, with Aguero going, what aside from the obvious one, the goal, how are you going to remember Sergio Aguero? Well, he's a... Uh... I think it's fair to say for Man City, he's probably a club legend, top scorer, um, fantastic finisher. Uh, one thing I, w- I have with Aguero is it's a bit of a shame that we didn't get that many seasons where he was able to play most of the fixtures, a lot of injuries, uh, but still, yeah, what a fantastic striker, really. One of and the you, best. And for you, Mike? Yeah, it's, it's his massive size that I'll remember. <laughs> Oh that is not what I expected. I'll be honest. You know, when I wrote this down earlier to ask ask about ask about Aguero, I did not think I'd be getting his massive thighs. I'm giving Aguero thighs as we speak. What do you say? Best in the prem. Best striker. Yeah. No, no. Best thighs. Yeah. Uh, Bloody hell, Mike. Uh, have you had a look? Yeah. I mean, they're quite muscular, but yeah, I mean, he's a professional footballer. Well, I don't see, I don't see Bobby Reed with those that sort of muscles on his legs. I don't know. I don't really look at their thighs that much. You just look um, at the football. Okay, I'm I'm gonna jump in <laughs> here again with shouting at Jordan Shakiri, who is uh, just 
a yeah. weirdly proportioned band, but when I saw him in the fresh, I'm, his calves, I was like, good lord. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, owner of the most iconic moment in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, a true Premier League legend who was an absolute dirty player. Um, <laughs> right, let's seriously go Google David Luiz challenge. Um, let's go from the absolute top of the Premier League to near the bottom and let's talk about Fulham um, because the second question we got from the Understand podcast was more about just like let's have a chat about Fulham's near future so obviously they suffered a crushing loss to Villa after playing probably being the better team for all of 70-ish minutes and then Trezeguet scored um, Trezeguet scored the uh, two goals and then Watkins got a consolation after Mings had given them a gift to get them away. So they've got seven games to go to save themselves. So I guess the first question is, lads, um, did you, do you think Fulham have, do you think they have a chance or are you fully expecting them to be playing championship football next, this time next year? I think, I think they have a chance still. Okay. Um, just because when, when I look at the other teams there, mainly, like they've been treading water for ages, whereas Fulham have been like, yeah, they've not maybe got as many points as they wanted, but at least they show they've showed signs of promise in the last few months. Newcastle have been pretty much just like a a chaos club for the most of the season. Um and I think yeah, Fulham, even when we come onto it with their fixtures, I don't think it means that they're down and out just because some of the games that they have left. Mm-hmm. Interesting, Mike. How are you feeling about Fulham's chances? They've got a chance, but I do think they're going down there. Mm-hmm. I think the next, which was against, well, one of them was they've got they play then they play Leeds and Villa, and you needed to pick up points there. They're three behind Newcastle now, and they played a game more. Because you look, you... go on, Will. Sorry, no, I was just going to say, because you look at their remaining fixtures and they've got they've got three particularly tricky away trips to Arsenal, Chelsea and United. And then they've got games against Wolves and Burnley and Southampton that you'd, you'd be aiming, you'd have to really target. And then you'd hope to go into, you'd hope to go into that last game of the season at home to Newcastle within catching distance. Oh yeah. my word. I'll tell you what, that's the game surely we'll be watching on final day. Yeah, Fulham Newcastle. That is, that could well, yeah, it wow. could be box office. Um, but I, I guess the first, I guess the real question is, if they do go down, what's condemned them, Mike? What, why, why are they? What would be the reasons that you pointed to for them, them going down? Well, it's a strange one because they have actually played quite well. They've just been totally incapable of picking up points. Mm. Um. I guess the start of the season was pretty was not good, not good yeah. at all. In fact, uh, I think they picked up a point in their first six Premier League game weeks. Um, I would point to that as far as it was. I mean, you you're giving everyone around you quite a huge, a large advantage there. Mm. Uh, they didn't win till match week seven against West Brom. Yeah, in fact, the first half of the season, they really didn't pick up many points. And even the second half of the season, they just haven't won many games. They keep drawing. They had a spell for a while where they went unbeaten, which is great. But you've really got to win a few games. Um, It's hard to pinpoint exactly what's wrong because they play well quite Mm. often. But they somehow come out on the wrong side of it every pretty much every time you can consistently you'll know that oh look at Fulham lost 2-1 they probably play quite well but yeah yeah I don't know when when we when we played them before before they got the silly red card they were they were comfortably the better side um but they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net and I don't know about you Dave I thought it was interesting to see Mitrovic obviously had a really good international break, scored a few yeah. goals, and then he, he got gifted one at the weekend. But 
he's obviously a goal scorer. And the last time in the he was in the Premier League for them, he played really well. Do you think it has it? It's a bit. It seems a bit weird that he's been he's well he's been injured a bit, but he's been consigned to the bench for a lot of the season. Is that a bit weird, or can you understand I'm, it? I was going to say when you asked what their weakness is, their biggest weakness is goal scoring. Um, Sheffield United have are the only team to have scored less, and they've scored the same amount as Burnley, which is twenty four in thirty one games. That is Jeez, yeah. awful. Their top like, scorer is Bobby Reid on five. Yeah, the thing is, the thing is with Fulham that's really strange. It's like you say, Will, with Mitrovic being really good the last time they're in the Prem. When they were last in the Prem, despite them having some pretty good players like Scherler, Vieto, whoever, they didn't actually create that many chances. But when they did, they had some quality. This time's been the opposite. They've created loads of chances, and they don't really have like a, a reliable player. Mitrovic, for some reason, has been on the whole pretty awful this year. Um, and like you say with it, them not playing him, I do and maybe they should have just kept persevering, but he was honestly so bad. Missed quite a few penalties this season as well. Uh, I think Fulham as a whole have missed four pens this season, including that. Oh, I love Luckman, but God, if you haven't <laughs> earlier this season, good Lord, what is he doing there? Um, yeah, the the defence, to be honest, has been okay. There was a few issues right at the start, but they, they got rid of those, I felt. It's, it's just down to goal scoring for me. It's the reason why Fulham are, find themselves where they are. Which, which is a real shame because I don't know, I don't know about... I'm going to ask you, Dave, because you, you came to the season perhaps slightly yeah. critical of him. Um, but it's been refreshing to watch a manager... Keep, Particularly a young English manager. Oh God, sound like Nigel Farage. Um, <laughs> it's nice to see a young English manager sort of be given time and sort of the ability to the ability to turn it around in a way. Because Parker's had it. Parker's done a good job in the end, Dave. I I think personally. So how yeah. do you feel now compared to the start of the season? Yeah, I mean, I I think even in our season preview, uh, I was saying that I'd be surprised if he was here come the end of the season. Um, He's proven a lot of people wrong, I think, just because he's made it, he's shown that he can adapt. Um, like, there's so many managers out there, even more senior than Scott Parker, that they're not adaptable at all. Parker's had to integrate loads of new different players, started focusing on the wings and, and more intricate play because historically they have informed Mitrovic, who they hit in the box. That hasn't been an option this year. Marja isn't has only just come into the team he's not exactly big either bobby reed's a much 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 different player uh and he's he's shown that he can do like sort of build teams around different personnel that are on his team but also they can approach different teams in like a different way which i think is impressive coaching to be honest um the one thing i will say is uh i think in their last five games they've lost four so maybe whatever he had sort of tinkered with maybe people have sort of found them out a bit more but I think as the whole he's given it a good go and Fulham didn't really spend much money at all this year so yeah I think he's done a he's done an all right job in the end I agree I think he's he's, he's just it's a shame because they're they play they play good football, I think, and I, I'd have liked to have seen them. Liked to see them stay up, and they, they might still, but it's it's looking bleak from my perspective. Um, before, yeah. before we move on, though, um, if they were to go down, um, how confident are you that they'd be in it or in a, like a Norwich situation where they're probably going to come straight back up? You reckon? I'd be, I'd be very confident that they would come back up. And you, man. Uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think you look at Norwich as the model, and it's kind of similar the way more likely go about it when they go down. Uh, I, th- I think they will have a good chance. One thing they'll have to do is score more goals. I didn't realise they were so goal shy. That is, uh, if you if you're not scoring more than Burnley, that is quite concerning. But yeah, I think st- you stick with Scott Parker because as critical as I also was at the start of the year. As Dave says, he's done a, a really good job, I think. 
to, to even to have them where they are and playing the football that they're playing. I think he can keep his he can keep his head up and hopefully bring him back up uh, next season if they go down. Yeah, well, interesting times. Um, let me tell you where it's not interesting, Mike. <laughs> It's not interesting up at St. James's Park because, as we alluded to earlier, the um, the nearest team really in the table to them are um, are Newcastle. Um, 29 points from 30 games in the league. Now, if we're talking about Fulham perhaps not having the, the requisite quality, Dave, that's not really an accusation that can be levelled at Newcastle from where I'm sitting. Yeah, I... There's sort of this myth around Newcastle that they've had no investment and whatever. Uh, but if you actually look at it, they've invested a lot of money over the last couple of seasons, especially. Um, I just think, yeah, it can be much more different to Fulham. Fulham deserve a chance in the league. And frankly, Newcastle, I'm, I'm sick of them. Just sick of this. The way they attempt to play football. It's just so pointless feels like so Mike I don't want to ask you if Newcastle are underperforming but but what I want to ask is is what's is the squad like me and Dave have alluded to a decent squad or are we just getting carried away because I'm looking here I'm seeing Sam Maximan I'm soaring Callum Wilson I'm seeing J9 um, John Joe Shelby Ryan Fraser all Martin Dubravka, all players who are good players, good Premier League players. Yet mm-hmm. it seems, see, it seems in the two Steve Bruce seasons, the football's been drab and uninspired. And he, he seemed, although they've stayed up, it doesn't feel like he's getting the requisite quality. Is that a fair assessment? I would say so, particularly going forward, and that's probably where <clears throat> a lot of their quality is going forward. I'm. I'm not going to be totally ridiculous to say Joel Linton comes into that. But, yeah, you've got people like St. Maximin, Almiron, Shelby in there. That you think, well, obviously, Callum, um, as you mentioned, we like Dubravka in goals. I don't, I don't like their defence much, I'll, no. I'll be honest. Um, which is funny that that's what he's decided to build around. But, yeah, I think you you should really expect a bit more going forward and maybe the flair players to be allowed to, well, show a bit of flair. Because at the moment, it's it's pretty drab. It's really boring. I couldn't have thought of anything worse to spend my Easter Sunday than watch Newcastle Spurs. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it's just odd because it was... It, it, was probably it was actually quite a good game. One of Newcastle's better performances as well. But this is... When we talk about style and we talk about... I'm guilty as this as anyone and... I talk, we talk about um, Rafa's Newcastle in particular. Like the difference with Rafa's Newcastle was, although I actually, I thought they were dour and boring, they were actually good, like a good defensive side who didn't give you mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, they they gave you nothing going the other way, but they were actually a good defensive side. Whereas if you look at the metrics for Newcastle under Bruce, like they allow a ton of shots on goal. Um, <laughs> They they're terrible at pressing. You've not got so you've sort of lost that. You've lost that ability going. You've never had that ability going forward, and you've lost that ability to to be a really stingy defence. So it just feels like they're circling the drain. And I'm I'm sure Steve Bruce is an absolutely lovely man, but I know in the last days at the Villa, it was always someone else's fault. And as soon as Dean Smith came in and he he gave the players the confidence to go and play, they looked like a proper unit again. And I just sort of wonder if that could happen at Newcastle. So the question I want to ask you two, Lance, is assuming Newcastle do stay up, and but they perhaps sensibly decide to move on from Steve Bruce, who would you like to see go in? Well, you know what I believe this, Will. Uh, Here, we Here we go. Eddie Howe. Yes! <laughs> The only thing, the Come only on. thing with Howe is I do wonder if him and Fraser, uh, what, given Fraser force himself out of Howe's Bournemouth team, I do wonder if there's any bad blood there. But oh, um, who cares? Let him go. The the thing is with, the thing is with Newcastle is like you say with Rafa Benitez, the team sort of wanted to fight for each other. This team they either are trying to play in a way where. 
they don't want Bruce as manager or they don't, there's no togetherness in the group. Like they literally don't care. Uh, they, they literally don't seem to care. Um, the heads drop all the time. It's honestly pathetic to watch. Maybe you could argue on yesterday they were actually okay, but I still got the same sort of vibes from the team that they just didn't really care. Eddie Howe would allow the players to at least try and attack, at least try and enjoy their football. I think when you've got a, a team like Newcastle's that definitely has some attacking assets, that's what you need to focus on. You need to be thinking, what's the best we can do to attack teams, not can we just try not to concede as many every week, which is what it feels like with Bruce. There's just no, yeah, there's just no go in this team. It's just, it's just baffling, what, what really baffling. Think, what do you think of that that call, Mike, the Eddie Howe one? Because you do get the sense that, you know, the Newcastle fans are really passionate and they would, I think I get, you get the sense that they would love to just have a team that, that goes at people, even if they get beat sometimes. Yeah, I think. There's this myth that all Newcastle fans want to be in the top four. I don't think that's true, but all they want is a team, yeah, that'll actually excite them. And this yeah. team just doesn't do that. So you you bring in Eddie Howe. They're going to score a lot of goals. They're also going to concede a lot of goals. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. You want to play Leeds. It's going to be like 10-4. <laughs> God knows what will happen. But yeah, the other one I guess I'd throw into the mix would be Wilder because he's just left, obviously, Sheffield United. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. That's an interesting take. I mean, I, I think, obviously, no offence to Sheffield United, that's a step up for Wilder in terms of yeah, the size of the club 100%. he's going to. But I, I get the sense, from, I'm not saying that he's a t- his style of play is at all like Steve Bruce's, but it's not the same swashbuckling, free-flowing stuff that Eddie Howe would bring if he walked into your club. And I just get, I get the sense from Newcastle that there's a real desire for to have something that they can finally get excited about in the north. Because dear God, it's been a long time. Um, I think the the problem is that <clears throat> that's what the fans want, but it's not necessarily what old Ashley wants, is it? Oh well, I, do you know? I mean, yeah, but maybe what Ashley, I'd say to Ashley is, you know, what's a more a more attractive club, is it? A club where fans are not in open revolt against you. So they are. Um, but if if you are a if you are a Newcastle fan and you uh, you want to let us know who your pick for your next manager is, please get in touch either on Twitter and all the social medias at In and Around Pod or by uh, emailing us at In and Around Pod at gmail dot com. But before we move on from uh, Newcastle, uh, Mike, the Joel Linton report, please. Well, we said he was the new Firmino, but he's actually scored more goals in the last weekend than Firmino so you know he really has taken his crown uh, yeah he scored a, he scored a nice goal this weekend which is great to see uh, I think he has a quite a good hit rate against Spurs compared to everyone else where he really hasn't scored many um, that was his second against Spurs I think but yeah it was a nice finish he missed uh, a bit of a sitter later on yeah, for our boy, the Brazilian bad boy J Nine. What a player! He's... Brazilian bad boy. <laughs> it was nice to have. Well, he, he broke COVID rules, so um, <laughs> nice to have some good news for once in the Joel Linton report. It was incredibly well prepared, Joel Linton report. And halfway through, you go, he tries to give you a stat, and he's like, I think. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, that was totally off the cuff. I've just gone yeah. for it. But yeah, it was a nice finish. Yeah, yeah so it's interesting. David, is this an opportune time for stat of the week? I mean, it's not It's not in with Newcastle, but I mean, yeah, there's no harm in throwing it around now. Well, in which case, I'll go first with Wazak of the week. Sure. Because mentioning J9, Wazak of the week is J5, who um, <laughs> two sloppy giveaways, which both led to Thiago Silva with sloppy yellow cards and uh, led to an embarrassing loss for the Chelsea. Well, Jorginho is your Wazak of the week. Um, Mike, give me the intro. Was that, that Tuchel's first? Yes, it was. It was Tuchel's first it was, loss as Chelsea manager. It was, yeah. actually, it was also um, the first opposition players are Minamino to score against Chelsea. That's wild. We won't dwell on it. We won't dwell on it. It's a bad day. We move on. Um, <laughs> give me the intro for Stat of the Week, please, Mr. Michael Breson. Yeah, it's, it's David's Stat of the Week. 
Cheers for that uh, lovely intro there, Mike. Well, it's certainly an interesting one. So, Aston Villa vs Fulham. <laughs> oh, no, honestly, lads, this blew me away. It's better be good now. This blew me away. Aston Villa vs Fulham is the first game in Premier League history in which every player in the starting eleven for both sides were born after the first ever Premier League game on August the 15th, 1992. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. The first game ever. Yeah, where all 22 starting players are being born after the August 15th, 1992. In the Premier League, though. Yeah, in the Premier League. Okay. I was going to say, it's so that makes them, Premier League too. That makes them, what, 29 or younger? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Where's Interesting. your journeyman pros in there? No wonder Fulham are going down. <laughs> <laughs> First time I've ever heard someone call for journeyman pros. Do you remember when well, Fulham had journeyman pros? Mike. That went really well for them. You just pass pass on their knowledge to the youngsters. That's what you want to see. Well, while we're back on Fulham, I just want to let you know, everyone, that the... Uh, uh, we're not sponsored by them, but The Athletic have done an article about the Michael <laughs> Jackson statue. Yes, which, I read that. Which, having read it again, cannot believe it still happened. Cannot. If you're playing in and around bingo, that is a that's a drink there. <laughs> well, they already they already look they already got one by the XG mention. Um, yeah. I guess the very last thing is like so if Newcastle or Fulham go down, and you've got pick and you've got pick of their um, players, who are you picking? Newcastle. No, no, who are you picking out for players? <laughs> oh, my. Callum Wilson, shoe in for someone to pick up, surely. Yeah, so Maximum will go. That's about uh, it. This is a bit of a different one. Isaac Hayden, I think, is actually really good in Newcastle's midfield. Generally, think he's quite a good player. Hold him out. Uh, you yeah. can have him. Yeah. I'll take Lookman. Sure, yeah, man. but he's, Lookman's a Leipzig player, though. That's the thing. So I wasn't going to mention him. Well, we're going back to Leipzig then. So that's definitely one that's gone. Um, Sean Longstaff will be moving to the States to take up another career. Um, Mike, you've got your hand up. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to say that it's, it's time for Jose to go. Okay. <laughs> No way has he brought it into this one. No, we didn't even touch no, on the no, no, no. We were talking about Newcastle. And they, <laughs> they played Spurs at the weekend. And Spurs let them have four expected goals. And anyone that does that, Mike, as Will it. rightly said in the chat, anyone that does that to the Steve Bruce team deserves an on-the-spot sacking. I said it's an instant sackable offence. And that was before I saw that it was 22 shots, but 17 shots inside their box. Instant I mean, what are we doing here? Instant sackable offence. Jose just looks like he doesn't have a clue anymore. He look he looks exasperated, and it's I think time has come, Jose. Give it up. Yeah, it usually takes a bit longer in his reign for this to happen, but Well, this was supposed to be the second season, and it doesn't <clears throat> it it probably uh, look, I mean if you've got if you've got the bloke who is probably the the best candidate for player of the year in Harry Kane and you, you're still struggling like this against Newcastle. I mean, come on. Come on. So, yeah, just wanted to make everyone aware that I'm, I still want him out. Yeah. No one thought... Quite that. a change, Mike. <laughs> um, I think that'll do us for this week. But um, before we go, Mike, I, I've been dreading asking this, but how did this week... <laughs> how did this That's week... It went well. It did go well. Yeah, we landed... Uh, I think four out of eight, but that was some of them were some bigger prices. So yeah, a very good week, profitable. Yeah. I think by about four points or something. So make sure you tune in on Friday to hear me and Henry gloat about that. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, well done, Hodge. If you're listening, we go again on Friday. And make sure to keep your eyes in the description of the episode for some sass. Um... Yeah, because we'll edit. <laughs> yeah, but it will be on this feed so you can get it in this very same place. Um, Mike, if the people want to follow you to find out more about um, the teams that Joel Linton's done better against, where can they do so? Yeah, it's that Mikey Breslin on Twitter. Um, and Dave, um, where can the people follow you? 
Uh, at Dave Harris underscore 44. Uh, but on Instagram, it's at Hugo Rodiega. Excellent, excellent. Um, and you can follow me at Wehunt17, but please don't, please follow us instead at In and Around Pod on all the socials, including Vivo. Um, and if you want to read more of our thoughts in depth, you can do so at In and Around Media.com. Um, but that will do us. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week. Yeah. Yeah. Can't believe you brought something up Josie. else. Can't believe you brought up Josie. It's really annoyed me that you brought up Josie. <laughs> you think you should go as well? Yeah, no, I think you should go, but I, I'm not reveling in it. I, I think it's sad. Man. I think Get it's sad. Why do you think it's sad? Because just retire, you, man. You've earned your money. No, because you. I just think it's sad. You see that it's, it's exactly kind of how I feel about Wenger. In that, by the end, I was just sad. And I'm just like, I'm like, you were so good. Yeah, God. I sort of feel it. Almost like undoing his own legacy, really, by not stepping down now. Yeah. It's such a shame. However, Tottenham sucking is never a shame. But until next time, uh, sayonara. <laughs>